0: Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including supporting material, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash XRM. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Daiichi Sankyo Incorporated and AstraZeneca. Hello, this is Aditya Bardia, breast medical oncologist at Massachusetts General Hospital, Harvard Medical School, Boston. Welcome to this activity titled when HER2 is low or negative, emerging evidence on antibody drug conjugates for patients with hormone-receptive receptor-positive and triple negative breast cancers. So today we'll look at the updated results presented at ESMO 2023. In this presentation, antibody drug conjugates for advanced ER positive or negative breast cancer, latest data, and putting the data in clinical context. So let's get going. So I'll start with the first abstract, which was the Phase three Tropion-BRESTO-1 trial. This was a trial looking at a trope to adc datopotomab-deroxetan, or DATO-DXT, given 6 mg per kilogram IV every 3 weeks, was an investigated choice of chemotherapy, iribulin, vinorelbine, gemcitabine, capecitabine for patients with metastatic ER ER-positive breast cancer who had received at least one prior line of chemotherapy and for whom further endocrine therapy was not suitable. Patients were randomized to receive DATO, DXT was his investigative choice of chemotherapy. The primary endpoint was progression-free survival as well as overall survival. So we saw the primary results at ESMO 2023. The study met its primary endpoint. There was improvement in progression-free survival with datapodumab-deroxetan as compared to standard chemotherapy with a hazard ratio of 0.63, so that 37% risk in reduction of death or disease progression with data DXT as compared to standard chemotherapy. With investigator assessment, similar results were seen, similar hazard ratio, median PFS close to seven months with uh, daro dxt versus 4.5 months with standard chemotherapy. In terms of subgroups, all the subgroups derive benefit, including prior use of cdk 46 inhibitor, prior lines of chemotherapy, uh, geographic region, prior use of anthracycline, staxanes, all the subgroups derive benefit with daro dxt In terms of response rate, again, the response rate was higher with DXT, 36% uh, versus 22% with uh, standard chemotherapy. And then finally, in terms of overall survival, a trend towards improvement in overall survival was seen with a hazard ratio of 0.84 and studies continuing to next planned analyses. In terms of uh, safety, the rate of grade 3 AEs were lower with DATO-DXT as compared to standard chemotherapy, Uh, and the rate of uh, dose reduction was also lower with DATO-DXT as compared to standard chemotherapy. In terms of specific AEs, the common AEs seen with DATO-DXT were dry eye and uh, stomatitis, while the common AEs seen with standard chemotherapy was myelosuppression, including neutropenia. The rate of drug-related ILD was low, uh, 3%, which was mainly grade 1, grade 2 with DXT. So, how do these results fit into clinical practice? We have two drugs approved in this setting, trastuzumab diroxetan and sasatuzumab coveticat. And if datopotamab duroxetan is approved, that'll be the third ADC in this setting. And I think it'll be a question of what do we start with and how do we sequence the different ADCs. It'll also boil down to the side effect profile. Darod dxd uh, tends to cause uh, stomatitis but very little myelosuppression or diarrhea. With SG or sasetozumab covitecan, it's the opposite, tends to cause much more diarrhea as well as uh, neutropenia. Trastuzumab deruxtecan tends to cause nausea and pneumonitis. So all of these factors would come into the decision-making in terms of which AD to, ADC to start with and how to sequence the different ADCs. How about other abstracts? The other abstract we saw at uh, ESMO 2023 was updated results from DESTINY BREAST04. As a reminder, this was a trial for patients with HER2 low metastatic breast cancer. So that's HER2 expression of IHC1 plus 2 plus, patients randomized to trastuzumab deruxtecan or chemotherapy of physician's choice, primary endpoint of progression-free survival, secondary endpoint of overall survival. The primary endpoint of the trial was progression-free survival in patients with hormone receptor positive or to low breast cancer. So we saw updated results uh, and we continue to see improvement in overall survival with uh, trastuzumab deruxtecan, similar hazard ratio to before 0.69 in all patients as well as patients with hormone receptor positive breast cancer. Um, For hormone receptor positive breast cancer, the updated analysis is pretty much identical to what was presented before, 9.6 months median PFS uh, and um, median PFS of 4.2 months with standard chemotherapy hazard ratio 0.37. So pretty much identical to what was presented before. In terms of uh, safety, common safety uh, AEs that are seen with uh, trastuzumab deruxtecan that need a dose reduction or interruptions include nausea, uh, some myelosuppression as well as pneumonitis. Overall, the incidence of serious uh, treatment-related uh, AEs were similar between TDXT and standard chemotherapy. In terms of AEs of special interest, pneumonitis uh, was an AE that was higher with uh, trastuzumab deruxtecan as compared to standard chemotherapy or any grade AE of 12% um, versus about 0.6% with standard chemotherapy. So this is a serious AE that can be seen with trastuzumab deruxtecan that requires close monitoring and early intervention. The other AE that needs to be monitored is uh, Monitoring of the cardiac function with ejection fraction. Uh, about five percent of patients had decrease in ejection fraction with trastuzumab deruxtecan. It's an anti-HER2 agent, uh, so that's a side effect that's expected. So, how would I put this in clinical practice? It was good to see updated results uh, that confirm the benefit of trastuzumab deruxtecan. In general, physicians would prefer this agent over other ADCs and chemotherapy for patients with HER2 low. ER-positive metastatic breast cancer, so usually in the second-line setting, and then after that you can consider other ADCs. Now, are there other drugs in this uh, space? Groups? Well, first, brain mets. We saw updated results of uh, efficacy of TDXT in patients with brain mets, In bottom line, it does have some intracranial activity uh, response rate of 25% seen uh, in CNS was 0% with standard chemotherapy. So it is an agent that could be considered in patients with brain metastases. And we saw PFS and OS results as well, which confirm the efficacy of TDXT. And because patients with brain mets have worse prognosis overall, the PFS and overall survival was lower, which is to be expected. So how would, this, how would I put this in clinical practice? Essentially, if a patient has brain metastases, I would feel comfortable using TDXD. You still have to uh, treat the brain metastases with SRS or other interventions if that's reasonable, um, but I, I would feel comfortable using TDXT in this setting over standard therapy. And then finally, how about other agents? We saw uh, results uh, from uh, uh, another trope to ADC, SKB264 or mk2870 it's a trope to directed adc given 5 mg per kilogram given every two weeks it's interesting to note that uh, the three trope to adcs are given in different schedule sacituzumab govitican is given day 1 day 8 every 21 days uh, datopometomab duruxetan every 3 weeks and skb264 every two weeks In terms of response rate, response rate of 36% uh, seen in patients with ER ER-positive HER2-negative metastatic breast cancer. Um, So it does have activity in this setting, and it was regardless of the HER2 expression, which is what we would expect. If anything, slightly higher response rate in patients with HER2-low metastatic breast cancer. In terms of AEs, AEs is similar to sasetozumab can, with myelosuppression, neutropenia being the most common side effect, including grade 3 neutropenia of 36%. So how would I put this in clinical practice? This is another agent uh, that has demonstrated activity in patients with uh, metastatic breast cancer, and there's further development of SKB-264 in pivotal phase 3 trials. So it just increases the number of ADC options we have available for patients with metastatic breast cancer and uh, just highlights how these antibody drug conjugates are more active than chemotherapy. So thank you so much for uh, joining today. I hope this was helpful, Uh, and uh, this summarizes the ESMO update from 2023.
1: Hi there, I'm Sarah Hurwitz from the University of Washington, Fred Hutchinson Cancer Center in Seattle, Washington, USA. Welcome to this presentation titled Triple Negative Breast Cancer, What's New in Trope 2 Directed Therapies, wherein we will review updated data presented at ESMO 2023. Triple negative breast cancer is associated typically with very poor outcomes. It has a high incidence in younger women, and although chemotherapy can induce objective responses, overall treatment of this disease has historically been very challenging, and this disease subtype is associated with very low rates of progression-free survival and overall survival. Until recently, only a small proportion of patients with triple negative disease underwent treatment with targeted therapies, and there has been an unfavorable balance between efficacy and toxicity with the most commonly used therapies. There is a considerable impact on health-related quality of life for patients being treated with this disease, and thus many consider this disease subtype to be an area of high unmet need. I'm going to talk about a few abstracts that were presented at ESMO that were related to the management of metastatic triple-negative breast cancer. The first one is the BEGONIA trial. This is a phase 1b slash 2 clinical trial, which had been previously presented uh, by Dr. Schmidt and was updated at ESMO 2023. In this study, patients were treated with Dervalumab, a pdl one antibody, targeted antibody, um, in combination with datapodumab dirextecan, which is a trope 2-directed antibody drug conjugate with a topoisomerase 1 inhibitor payload and a tumor selective cleavable linker. In this clinical trial, patients were eligible if they had unresectable advanced or metastatic triple negative breast cancer that had not been treated previously in the metastatic setting. Patients had to have a reasonable uh, performance status as well as adequate organ function and measurable disease and no prior treatment with an immune checkpoint inhibitor. There was a dose escalation aspect of this study and a dose expansion and the data that was presented at ESMO 2023 were updated results with longer follow-up for patients from parts one and two treated in ARM7 with these two drugs. In this clinical trial, 62 patients were treated and 29 continue on treatment at the time of data cutoff. The median follow-up time was 11.7 months. The median age of patients enrolled was 53. Uh, 42% of patients had never had treatment for breast cancer. The majority had visceral metastases, and it's important to note that patients were enrolled regardless of PDL1 expression, although PDL1 expression was measured as, uh, an, uh, as part of this clinical trial, with results being reported based on PDL1 expression levels. The objective response rate of patients treated in these two cohorts was 79%, with six complete responses and 43 partial responses. Interestingly, anti tumor responses were observed regardless of PDL1 expression level, as assessed by two separate T- PDL1 assays and scoring methods the SP263 PDL1 TAP and the 22C3 PDL1. CPS. Progression-free survival uh, was 13.8 months and the median duration of response was 15.5 months. These numbers are actually quite good but keep in mind that this is not a heavily pretreated treated patient population as these patients had not received a prior immune checkpoint inhibitor or therapy in the metastatic setting previously. Adverse events were experienced by all patients, grade 3, 4 adverse events in 57% of patients, and treatment-related adverse events that were grade 3 and 4 were seen in 44% of patients. Um, There were dose uh, reductions, uh, dose delays um, seen for both uh, DatoDXD as well as uh, dose delay for Dervalumab. And what you can see here are the most common adverse events, which tended to be gastrointestinal, gastrointestinal, and they tended to be low-grade. There was stomatitis as well, which was the most common adverse event leading to Dato DXD dose reduction. And there were three patients or 5% of patients on this study who had adjudicated treatment related ILD or pneumonitis. Um, these um, uh, tended to be um, low-grade with two grade 2 events and one grade 1 event. So based on these results, uh, Dervalumab and Datapotumab DXD are a promising combination for patients with metastatic triple negative breast cancer. The study did show that the regimen was reasonably safe and was associated with Quite high objective response rates and median progression-free survival. What we don't know from this study is how this is going to translate in the future and how how much Dervalumab is adding to DATO-DXD because this was not a randomized trial. I'm looking forward to seeing more data. At this point, neither of these agents are approved for triple negative metastatic breast cancer, so we'll have to wait and see more results in the future. Moving on to our next abstract that we'll be reviewing, We'll talk about the real-world use patterns, effectiveness, and tolerability of sasituzumab govitekin in the second line and later treatment of metastatic triple-negative breast cancer. This uh, study was led by Kevin Kalinsky at Emory University. We know that sasetuzumab is FDA approved and available for our patients who've had two prior lines of therapy for metastatic triple negative breast cancer, at least one in the metastatic setting based on the findings of the ASCENT study. Real-world trials are very important for us because they give us a sense of what we can expect in a non-clinical trial study population. We know clinical trials are highly controlled situations. Patients are enrolled that have very good performance status and organ functioning. And so real-world studies are very important because they can give us information about how a drug may be tolerated and a drug's efficacy or effectiveness in a general population. Um, In uh, this study, we see that the median overall survival associated with sasituzumab was a median of 10 months in patients who are second line or later If you then break down the data based on whether they were treated in the second line setting or in the third line setting, the median overall survival, not surprisingly, is better in the second line setting in the less heavily pretreated patients with a median OS of 13.9 months, whereas in the third line setting it was 8.4 months. A minority of patients discontinued sasituzumab due to toxicity. However, about a quarter of patients had dose reductions due to toxicity, and just under 40% had dose interruption due to toxicity. The majority of patients did use GCSF um, while uh, receiving or before receiving sasituzumab govatecan and the median time from sasituzumab start date to the use of growth factor was 85 days in my own clinical practice um, I am using a fair amount of growth factors especially in my later line patients receiving sasituzumab govitecan. given that uh, grade 3-4 neutropenia can occur um, in a relatively high proportion of patients especially if they're coming in with cytopenias from the beginning. So in, in summary, I think these real world data are quite important to us. They underscore the type of uh, survival and outcomes we can see in our patients who are treated in a non-clinical trial setting with sasituzumab govitekin for triple negative breast cancer, uh, they also um, reflect the data that we saw in the Ascent study overall in terms of safety, uh, dose reductions, dose discontinuations, um, and use of growth factors to support our patients. Thank you so much.
0: This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.